We don't like to think about it, but we'll all pass away at some point. If we make preparations now, we can control what happens to our assets after we are gone. Welcome to Practical Prepping. Today is October 20th, 2023, episode number 425. This is the prepping podcast with no bunkers, no zombies, and no alien invasions. Just practical prepping, where we believe that stuff happens, so we need to stay prepared, and we're here to help you get prepared. Hi, I'm Krista. And I'm Mark. And today we'll be talking about making end-of-life decisions now. It's a very important task that we all hate to think about, but we definitely need to handle. We could die. We could become incapacitated through injury, a stroke, or even disease. If or when that time comes, we need to already have these things in place. Now, if you'd like the expanded notes for this episode, go to practicalprepping.info forward slash 425. Now, the disclaimer, today's episode is not legal advice. We are not attorneys, and we did not sleep in a Holiday Inn Express last night. Today's episode is to make you think about some of the legal matters you might want to consider now for when the end of your life comes. Consult an attorney or a financial planner when making decisions or completing these documents. All right, let's get to our topic. Well, you know, preparing for end-of-life legal matters is a very important step to ensure that your thoughts, your affairs, and your wishes are in order and are respected. And some of you may be thinking, well, I'm too young right now to be thinking about that. Well, here's a question. Are you married? Do you have children? Do you own a business? Do you own property? If so, you need to deal with this now to protect your family once you're gone. And so here are some key end-of-life legal matters that should be considered. The first and foremost is a last will and testament. This is a legally binding document that outlines how you want your assets to be distributed after your death. It designates beneficiaries, you name an executor, and you want someone you can trust to carry out your will and your wishes. And it also can address other important matters. The next one up would be a power of attorney, known as a POA. A power of attorney is a legal document, and it grants one person the authority to act on behalf of another person, known as the principal, in various legal or financial or even medical matters. A power of attorney can be a valuable legal tool for various situations, including financial management, any healthcare decisions, and legal representation. So you want to appoint someone that you trust as your power of attorney to make decisions on your behalf if you become unable to do so due to illness or incapacitation. And we're going to discuss power of attorney a little bit further because there are several types of power of attorney, each serving different purposes. First up is a general power of attorney. Now, this power of attorney grants the agent or grants someone else broad authority to make financial and legal decisions on behalf of you. It's often used for convenience when the person is unable to handle their own affairs, 
such as during an illness or traveling. It can also be used for someone else to handle some aspect of a legal matter, and it's usually revoked if the person becomes incapacitated. Now, we used one of these when we purchased the house because the attorney was willing to file certain paperwork. So we gave him the power of attorney to do that specific thing. And that's actually called a limited or special power of attorney. And it specifies that limited powers, and it's often used for those very specific purposes or a specific time frame. For example, a person might grant a limited power of attorney to allow someone to handle real estate transaction in their absence. Yeah, that's a very common task, Mm -hmm. actually. And it really happens when someone is out of state and they have found the house that they want. And rather than driving all the way back or flying back for the closing, they can appoint an attorney with power of attorney, so they can handle all of that matter without them having to be there. The next type is called a durable power of attorney. Now, this one is very important, so listen up. A durable power of attorney remains valid even if the person becomes incapacitated. It is a very valuable tool for managing the financial and legal affairs of a person who is unable to do that for themselves due to a medical condition or a disability. And we have several of those in the family right now Mm -hmm. where someone else is handling their finances because they are unable to. Now, here's one that we definitely want, and it's a medical power of attorney. Sometimes it's called a health care proxy. And it authorizes someone to make medical decisions on your behalf when you are unable to do so yourself. And it's used to ensure that the person's health care wishes are followed. Okay, let me just kind of expand onto the next topic. Thinking of medical, there is a document called an advanced health care directive. When you enter the hospital for surgery or for tests or treatments, many times you'll be asked the question, do you have an advanced health care directive? And you either know that you do or you don't. You don't really, if you say, I'm not sure, then you don't have one because you would know. Probably if you not. have one. That's a document that outlines your preferences for medical treatment, for any life-sustaining measures, and end-of-life care. This ensures that your health care wishes are known and respected if you are unable to communicate them yourself. Now, I'll tell you, that is a vitally important document, and really people need to probably hit that one first, even maybe before a will, I suppose. I would do the two together. Yeah, do the two together, because you never know when you're going to need to wind up in a hospital, and you don't want your family members and loved ones standing around guessing or supposing You know, if they think that you want to be taken off life support, but your wishes are, I want you to do everything in your power to make sure I live, then you need to specify that. And that leaves the guesswork off the table. Before my dad made a long flight all the way across the country for a military reunion, his military units were getting together as they did every year. And he was in his late 60s at that point in time. But he sat at my kitchen table and he pointed his finger at me and he said, I've made a decision 
and you don't have any choice in this, but it's your job to make sure it happens. And he told me about the advanced health care directive that he and mother had drawn up. And then six or seven years later, I was put in a position where I had to use that advanced health care directive. My dad had already made the decision. He was in an unrecoverable situation. In fact, his brain scan was flat. He was not there. And so then it was respect his wishes. But this legal document gave me the authority to tell the hospital what the decision was. It also gave you the assurance that you're doing exactly what your dad expected you to do, and you didn't have to guess. Oh, I didn't have to guess, and that, that's something, and, and we've, Krista and I have shared this with each other, and uh, we've pretty much shared it with everybody in the family. With We're put in this situation, let us go. It's just that simple. If we're in this situation, let us go. Now, that doesn't mean send me off if my leg's broke. Well, I mean, you're talking about, <laughs> yeah, we're we're talking about an, uh, an irreversible medical brain dead, exactly. that sort of that thing. That type of thing. You're not going to survive this without the machines that you are on. And I know my dad. My dad had told me that. And I knew that he would not want to be laying there artificially kept alive. So this document gave me the legal authority to make his wishes happen. Now, how does that differ from a living will? Because I know that's like the next one up from Advanced Healthcare Directive. What is the difference between that and a living will? They're cousins. The living will really specifies your preferences regarding medical treatment. This is the one where, now let's go back. The advanced directive is really saying, don't extend my life or do artificially extend my life. The living will says, if I come down to a certain situation, I want this amount of medical treatment. I want these things to take care of. And this really is if you're in a terminal condition or an irreversible coma, but you're not right there at death's door. It's just a just in case. Right. Kind of but they are for the, they are first cousins, so to speak. And it can even address the decisions of life support or resuscitation or even palliative care. Also, something about organ and tissue donation. I know that here in the United States, most every state that I'm aware of will ask you on your driver's license mm-hmm. if you want to sign up to be an organ donor. And you can say yes, no. Or other states, if it's not on the driver's license, it may be a form of a document that you could put somewhere that you do or do not wish to be an organ donor. And so that can be something that can be very expressly communicated as well, because sadly, there have been times when a family member may have gone to the emergency room and it's clearly understood that they were not going to survive what happened to them. And then the question is, what was he or she signed up for organ donation and nobody knew? And this takes the pressure off of the family of having to decide. Yeah, they're already grieving and in stress. Yes. We were asked about organ donor as far as that. And dad was signed up on the organ donation. 
And my sister was pretty much against it. Mm. She didn't want to put dad through that. Well, dad would have already been deceased before they would start taking organs. Oh, of course. So that was not putting him through it. But I went ahead and told the, the hospital to check with the organ bank. They gave them all of his medical history, and they actually declined taking dad's organs before we were faced with that. So well, it, it came up to a situation, yeah. but dad was an organ donor, and if they had accepted that, since I was the one on the paperwork, my sister would probably still be mad at me after 20 years, well, you know? But again. that is the person's wishes. Let's talk about estate planning for a minute. Now, we can't yeah. go a long way down that. What we can tell you is that the estate planning covers the distribution of your assets. It can be used to minimize your taxes it can establish trusts, and it can provide for dependents. But now you need to consult an attorney to discuss drawing up the paperwork on an estate. And, you know, that doesn't have to be done at near the end of your life either. Oh, no. You can begin estate planning as, as soon as 18 years old. I mean, you're a legal adult and can sign mm -hmm. contracts. You can already begin to start down that road. A lot of people do that with their investments, their portfolios. Their Roth IRAs, their four hundred one ks, and and this, some of this know, can change over time. Of course, it when, will. when you yeah. get married, it can change. And have when kids, you have children, yeah. it can change. Right, buying and selling, moving across the country, changing jobs, all kinds of things. So, so estate planning is quite important, and digital estate planning. This is a reference to what will happen to your digital assets. Now that is online accounts your social media profiles, your digital files. You need to make some kind of a plan on how you want those digital assets to be managed or passed on after your death. And this one is relatively new to some degree. Yeah, I mean, this is a 21st century exactly. situation. What happens to this podcast when we're both gone? Hmm. It'll who, just come with us. <laughs> we'll who, just take it with us. Who, who gets it? I know. In other words, who, who gets to pay the bill to keep it online so you folks can go back and listen to past episodes? Mm -hmm, so sure. when it comes to social media profiles, uh, I would say to make sure that someone else has the passwords to get into your social media accounts. Now, you don't have to give it to them ahead of time, but you can write this down my Facebook login is this, and my password is this. And that way they can go in and say, he's gone. I know some people that are like celebrities, and their family members have maintained their page mm -hmm. posthumously because they are famous or a celebrity or well-known. And maybe they have a foundation or charities or something. And it's kind of in a way they're never forgotten. Exactly. Somebody one, else is administrating it. There's one that I actually follow, and that is General Chuck Yeager. Oh, sure. The first man to break the sound barrier. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, as an aside, my dad got to fly with him one time, one weekend, when he was at Maxwell Air Force Base, and he checked out dad's airplane to go to Washington, so wherever dad's airplane went, dad had to go. <laughs> so he was his engineer for that trip. What a treat. 
Now, another one that no longer applies to Krista and me, but that is guardianship for dependents. If you have dependent children, you need to make arrangements for their care and designate a guardian who will assume responsibility for them in the event of your death. I think this is the one that surprises most people because there are some out there that believe that let's just paint a picture here. There's a mom and a dad and three kids. And sadly, mom and dad are suddenly taken and they're they're passed away and they're off the scene. So now these three children remain with no mother and no father. And the thinking, the common thinking is, oh, well, a grandparent or a brother or sister of the parents will just take the kids. You know, the state doesn't just allow just any old body just to come along and take the kids. No. It actually has to be probated through the state. You would have to go through the courts and more or less get permission for that person to take that because it's a legal assignment of minor children and it's a matter of public record and a matter of a number of laws Mm -hmm. that have to be satisfied you know you just can't either move into the house or move the kids out and just do what you want even if it is in their best interest you definitely want to make sure that that you as the parents have had a conversation with whom it is you wish to entrust your children to. Mm-hmm. I did that when my daughter was young, and she's now grown and married and has a child of her own. She's got her own will. And so don't assume that family can just swoop in and take care of your children and everything be fine. You have to take steps legally and document that absolutely. So there's absolutely no question whatsoever as to what your wishes are. So it comes down to do you want to decide what happens with your children or do you want the state to decide what happens with your children? Our next thing is beneficiary designations. Now, this is something that we need to renew from time to time. We need to review and update those beneficiary designations on our retirement accounts, our life insurance policies, and other financial accounts to ensure that they are accurately reflect your current wishes. And it helps to avoid complications, and it ensures that your assets are distributed according to your intentions. Now, I met a guy one day, and he was telling me the story. He, I ran into him is a better way to put it. I already knew him. And he was driving a new pickup, and I said, man, that's a nice new pickup. He said, well, I can thank my ex-wife for that. They had a $300,000 insurance policy on her that he was the beneficiary when they were married. After they were divorced, she did not change the beneficiary on the insurance. So after she passed away, already having been divorced, he was the beneficiary on the $300,000 life insurance. No kidding. And there was nothing that anybody else could do about it. Wow. So he got a new pickup. I can only imagine if she remarried, her hus- her current husband did not get that insurance policy. She had not remarried. Oh. She had not remarried, but she just totally forgot oh my goodness. to change the beneficiary on the insurance well, see see how important it is to keep things updated? <laughs> yeah. From her standpoint, she probably did not want her ex-husband getting that money. But, you know, she passed away, so honestly, it didn't matter to her anymore. <laughs> not anymore. Not but anymore. She'd have rolled over if she'd have <laughs> thought about it. All right, let's talk about financial planning for a minute. 
Now, this is where you need to consult a financial advisor to review all your overall financial situation and ensure that your investments, your savings, and your retirement plans align with your end-of-life goals and any potential expenses or debts that might arise. You know, they may even tell you if you're, let's say you're past middle age and you have adult children, a financial planner may possibly ask you to have one of your children on your checking account mm-hmm. so that they can access funds. Because if your name is not there, you cannot access that at the bank. Right. That would take a court order. Mm-hmm. Now, I had a friend who he's with the Lord now, but he told me one time, he said, perfect financial planning is to have enough to live the rest of your life and the last check bounces. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> now, he was kidding around with oh, that. My. And his wife passed away first. And he called me some weeks later, and he asked me if I would be the executor on his will. And he sent that will to me, and he gave me his attorney's information and gave the attorney my information. Now, he later remarried, and I didn't have to do anything with that. But he was joking about the last check bouncing, but in that will, it set up three scholarships that totaled two and a half million dollars. Holy smoke. So he wanted to be sure where their money went Mm -hmm. when he passed away. I see. So those are in place now, uh, scholarships at three different locations. How about that? It's an important thing to do. Now, the next thing is, and we don't like to think about this one either, but funeral and burial arrangements. Right. You know, consider pre-planning your funeral and burial arrangements. This will alleviate the burden on your loved ones, and particularly at a time when the family is, you know, gathering to bid farewell to mm-hmm. their loved one, this is not the time to be making the big, large decisions about how, when, where, and what. Mm-hmm. You want to specify your preferences for either burial or cremation, funeral service. I know of someone that donated their body to science. Yes, people still do that. And any other specific requests you may have. It's a it's a heartbreaking thing to put the family through the grief and sorrow and then have the funeral home have to kind of pin them down for the financial aspect and the decisions, the choices of all the little elements of a service or not. It's it's just if you can just take care of that well ahead of time and leave that information where it can be found, then I will promise you the family will be relieved in their sorrow to at least because they'll want to honor what it is that you would want it most of all. And that's a gift to them. And she speaks from experience with this. Mm -hmm. Her mother and dad both passed away at 97 years old. They had long before gone to their preference of funeral home, and they had purchased a prepaid plan. They had selected their caskets. They had all of the arrangements made. All we had to do was pick a day, pick a time, and pick a few songs. And that was about the extent of what the family had to go through. We met with them. They 
showed us everything that had been done, and there was nothing else left undone. So they did a great job. They did a great service for the family. The next thing we want to talk about is communication and documentation. Ensure that your loved ones know of your end-of-life legal documents and where they're stored. Some people put them in a safety deposit mm-hmm. box at a bank. Well, you're going to need to be able to access that somehow. Well, when Dad passed away, his were in the bank, mm-hmm. in the safe deposit box, but in my safe deposit box was a key to his box, and in his box was a key to my box. There you go. And we were on each other's boxes, mm-hmm. so it was simply a matter of going down, opening my box, getting the key, opening his box, And Dad, I know now that he didn't quote-unquote pre-plan his funeral, but what he did do, the funeral director was a longtime family friend. His dad and my dad had played ball together and were great friends. And he sat down with Dennis, and each piece of paper that Dennis asked for was the next one on the top of the stack. He actually had literally had his affairs in order. He literally had it, and it was right there with his will. It was right there with everything, and he had made me aware of all of his wishes. Now, let's contrast that to a situation that I was in when I was with a family that was close from the church, and the gentleman was about to pass away. And they asked his wife what she would want them to do and or what he would want to do. He had no living will. He had no advanced directives. And so she was asking me if I thought he would want to be resuscitated if he was in that situation. I really wish that they had communicated this, even if it wasn't written down, if they had communicated this it would have been much easier on her. I can't imagine what that did to you to hear her ask you that. I mean, I understand her her position, <laughs> but that's a lot to lay on somebody, you know? <laughs> she wasn't asking me to make the decision. I know. She I, was I, asking me what, what I thought he would want. Oh, boy. And most of us don't want to be laying there on machines. Right, So exactly. that, that's what I did. But you can provide copies or access to the necessary information to folks, to trusted folks, so that they can easily carry out your wishes and handle your affairs when the time comes. Ours are in a file cabinet here. You open the file cabinet and you go to the one that says wills. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's real simple. You pull that out, and there's our advanced directives. There's the things that we need. And, you know, part of this episode is to really demystify the notion that if I don't talk about it, it won't happen kind of thing. I've actually had people say, well, if I don't talk about dying, I won't die. That is so much denial, and I just, I'm just here to tell you, I know it's not pleasant, but it's part of being a grown-up. It's mm-hmm. part of being an adult. It's part of being responsible. And I am here to encourage you, if you'll just go ahead and dip your toe into that lake and wade around for a while, you'll find that this is a very mature and responsible thing to do. And you will have unburdened your loved ones immensely and immeasurably. They want to respect your wishes. They want to carry out what you want done. 
But if you don't leave instruction or if you don't leave the proper documents, they're going to be, I don't know, it'll it'll be a heartbreaking thing. They'll never recover from it. And they may have legal issues with getting it settled. Well, that's the thing is you just don't want to be that. You just don't want to leave them with that. And so today's episode was just to make you think. We would encourage you to go ahead and get this done. I don't care if you're 20 or if you're 90. Go ahead and get this done because one of these days you're going to die. Yep. You're going to die. Yep. Dad used to say, we're all going to die if we live long enough. Well, my dad <laughs> used to say, well, we're all terminal. And, yeah. you know, he he's absolutely we're, right. Exactly. We're each getting closer to death yeah. every single day. And we even consider end-of-life matters a form of practical prepping. Yes, Absolutely. Preparing ahead of time for what we know is going to happen or may happen. Now, today's cup of coffee comes from Heather. Yoo-hoo! Thanks, Heather! Heather, we really do appreciate it. And if you receive value from the podcast, would you help us give by giving back a little? First, you can buy us a cup of coffee like Heather did. Second... You can start your Amazon shopping from our website. Now, it costs you nothing extra, but it pays us a small commission on qualifying purchases, and it really does help. You'll find the links to both on practicalprepping.info, and honestly, we suggest you do both. Absolutely. Both help us out, and we really appreciate your support. And as Krista always says, Stuff happens. Stay prepared. And we'll see you next time.